We are uh, today uh, finishing up uh, our Christmas series. It's been a very short Christmas series. We started last Sunday, uh, and the series was just very simply titled, uh, All I Want for Christmas. And uh, last Sunday, we looked at uh, the gift of mission and what it looks like to actually live our lives on mission. And then on Friday night, we gathered uh, for Christmas Eve and uh, really just focused on the gift of life that God has in Jesus given us the gift of life. And uh, this morning, um, I want to look at uh, a very simple, but uh, hopefully a very life-changing gift that I believe God has for us, uh, and it's the gift of trust. Um, Before I go there, I just wanted to pray uh, for a moment, uh, and then we're going to jump into a story that's told in uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 2, and it's uh, the story of a man named Simeon, and he doesn't uh, I've been in the church a long time. I haven't heard too much uh, talk about the story or this narrative of, uh, of Simeon, but it's one of a phenomenal story of a man who trusted God. And if I were actually to sum up Simeon's story, it was just simply, this is a guy who genuinely trusted God, not just with lip service, because uh, anyone can say, I trust God. Uh, their life will always tell it. But Simeon, as I consider his story as, as told in Luke 2, phenomenal man who just simply trusted God. So let me uh, pray, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much uh, for today. God, thank you uh, for bringing the people that uh, are here in this place today. Thank you certainly for getting folks here safely. And uh, God, I don't know if anyone else is coming, and if they're on the roads, I just pray, uh, God, that they too uh, would get here safely. I uh, got there would be no injuries, no accidents, uh, or anything along those lines. So uh, God, just in these moments that uh, we would have uh, together, uh, I just pray that you would speak to us. Um, God, we're coming off, I'm guessing, uh, maybe a, a busy few weeks uh, and certainly probably a busy day for a lot of people yesterday. So, uh, God, just in this moment, I just pray that uh, we would all be uh, really refreshed, uh, encouraged, uh, challenged, and just blessed. And, um, God, that, that can happen uh, as you would speak to each of us. And you know each of us, God, by name. You know where we're at as it relates to you. And uh, so this morning, God, I do pray that um, uh, you would speak and uh, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive that. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Simeon's his name. If I'm going to sum up uh, his, his story, it's just very simply this, that he was a guy who trusted God. And uh, simply, Simeon uh, received a promise from God. We don't know uh, when, how early in life he actually received this promise from God, but the promise was just very simply Simeon, before you die, physically die, uh, not just a metaphorical, like before you physically die, your eyes will behold the Savior. You will see physically before you die, you will see the Savior. That's an amazing promise that God gives this man, Simeon, that one day before he dies, he will see uh, ultimately Jesus. Now, before I read his story, If Simeon's story is one of really trusting God, uh, before I read Simeon's story, I just want you just for a moment to consider your story. Very specifically, is your story one of trusting God? Simeon's can be summed up. It's a great life statement of, here's a man who trusted God. Uh, As you consider your story as you sit here today, would your story be one of one who's trusting God, or is your story a bit more reflective of, I'm just hoping it all works out in the end? Um, I know there's a big difference between those two, so there might be some middle ground. uh, And question for you, which one would best identify you? Uh, One might just be, I can't trust God. 
I don't even know if God exists, so how can I trust someone that I don't even know if is real? Uh, another one would be, I actually tried trusting God, and it, it didn't work out. Like, I tried for a few days, I tried for a few weeks, I tried for a few months, or maybe you actually tried for years, and for whatever reason, you've come to the conclusion of, I tried this, and it just didn't work. Maybe it is, I have no idea what it actually means. I know what it, how it sounds, but I don't really know what it means to be a man or a woman uh, who trusts God. And maybe that's a little bit more uh, descriptive of where you're at. Maybe a fourth option is just simply, I'm willing to do it. I just need some help getting there. Like, I'm willing to live that life. I'm just not sure what it looks like, but that's the life. That's where I want to go. Um, and maybe lastly, and maybe there's some, maybe there's many who fit this bill of, I'm doing it. I'm trusting God. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not just talking about it. I'm not even just wanting to do it. I'm, I'm growing in trusting God. So those are five. Um, on that scale, so to speak, where would you be as it relates to your ability to trust God? Not just verbally, but in the way you live life. Um, my heart for, for me, my heart for us as a community is that we would be number five. We would land firmly on number five of, I'm doing it. I'm growing it. I haven't arrived. I'm not perfected this by any means, but I'm growing in my ability to trust God in all things, in all times, and in all places. Um, Simeon's story is, if you have a Bible, we'll put it on the screen, but you can follow along with me. Uh, this is in uh, Luke chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to pick up kind of in the midst of another story of where Joseph and Mary, Jesus is now about uh, eight days old, and they're bringing him uh, to be circumcised, where at his circumcision, he's actually given the name Jesus. And about 30 some odd days after that, they would bring Jesus to the temple where he would be dedicated. It was a custom and tradition that infants, uh, as when they were be born, they would be given back or dedicated uh, to God. Uh, and so what Mary and Joseph have done now is roughly eight days of circumcision, about 30 some odd days later, he would be brought to the temple to be dedicated uh, for Mary and Joseph to go through Old, Test Old Testament uh, regulations in terms of purification, but also to dedicate Jesus. And so that's kind of the context, but now we're coming in and Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, about a month, month and a half old, meets this man named Simeon. His story starts in verse 25 of Luke 2. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout and was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, dedication, uh, verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, now, I have no idea if Mary and Joseph knew this was coming or if this is all just unfolding before them and they're, what's, what's happening here. But Simeon takes this infant, this baby Jesus, and in verse 29, he says, Sovereign Lord, you have promised. You now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, 
and for glory to your people Israel. I love the response here in uh, verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts uh, of many hearts will be revealed. And then he says to Mary something very penetrating. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. So my aim this morning is there's a lot that obviously could be said um, about, about Simeon, but the one thing that I want to, to focus on uh, today, and, and very briefly, uh, actually, is this idea of trust. Can I actually trust God? Because uh, we're all somewhere on the spectrum of not being able to trust because I don't believe in God, or really wanting to, just not knowing how to. So my heart today is really just this question of, can I trust God with me, with all of me, not just parts of me and parts of my life, but can I actually trust God with with me. Now, this is a really significant question because how you answer it actually determines whether you'll have a meaningful relationship with God or you'll actually have any relationship with God. Because we get, if I can't, if we can't trust people, if we can't trust someone, how could we ever have a relationship with them? Because we'd always be looking at them wondering, are you lying to me? Are you manipulating me? Are you deceiving me? Are you just using me for your own benefit? If there is no trust in the relationship, then it's very difficult to have a meaningful relationship, and it's certainly difficult to start a relationship from the basis of, I don't even know if I can trust you. Now, what we learn about Simeon uh, from the, just the get-go is Luke highlights a few different things about Simeon. Number one is it said he was righteous or he was devout. That's a very simple way of saying this is a man who was walking with God. He was walking in the ways of God. And uh, in Scripture, there's only a few, few people who are said to have been righteous or devout, meaning they were godly men or godly women. Abraham would be one, Job would be another. And here, Simeon, it says he was righteous and devout. The second thing is it says he was waiting for the consolation of, of Israel. What that means, the consolation of Israel, is there was Old Testament clearly taught that one day, a deliverer, a savior, or a redeemer would come. There was a community of people who were literally waiting for the redeemer and the savior, where a lot of people, they just bailed. They gave up and said, well, it's been too long. It's been hundreds of years. We're not seeing any activity from God. So clearly, this is a promise from God that's not going to find fulfillment. Simeon is one who was waiting for God to fulfill his promise. God promised a redeemer, a savior, a deliverer, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Third thing is, he not only was walking in the ways of God, but he had a relationship with the Spirit of God. Meaning, not only walking with, but he was very familiar with the voice of God. So when God prompted him to do something, he actually did it. He wasn't the guy who was walking around thinking, gosh, I hear all these voices in my head, I don't know what to do with them. He actually could understand the voice of God in his life. And then the fourth thing is, he became and was a voice for God. Did you notice how he spoke to Mary and Joseph? He spoke a very prophetic word of, this child will be a stumbling block for many people. 
this child will be a revelation of what's really in men's and women's hearts. And then he looks at Mary and says, this child will pierce your heart, pierce your soul. And we see this prophetic message played out and fulfilled in his life and death. And especially when Mary is sitting at the cross, the foot of the cross, tears, spirit crushed. What Simeon had told her came to pass at the foot of the cross. Now, those are just four very quick things Luke highlights about Simeon. It would be very impressed to be, uh, be easy to be impressed by his resume for sure. But the one thing, again, that I just want you to catch, this is a guy who genuinely trusted God. I sum up his whole life as a man who trusted God. Look back to verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 26. It says, uh, had been, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That phrase, Lord's Christ, by the way, means God's anointed. So the promise was, Simeon, before you die, you will see my salvation. You will see God's Savior, the Savior that God is going to provide. You will see the Savior. Imagine, because that's the best we can do here, imagine if God actually told you that. If God revealed to you, before you die, you will see the Savior of the world. The Savior that the Old Testament talked about, but it's been thousands of years. You will not die until you see him. Now, I know most of, most of us, myself included, I can't fathom what that would be like. So here's something comparable. Imagine if God spoke to you and said, you know what, you will physically not die until Jesus comes back. You will see the return of Jesus, because the New Testament makes clear Jesus is coming back. Imagine if the promise was, you will not die until you see Jesus come back. How would you receive that promise from God, if that happened? I'm guessing most of us, maybe not all of us, would just have a very kind of blow it off attitude of like, yeah, really, like that's going to happen, because it's been 2,000 years. Most of us would receive a promise from God like that and say, that's just, that's not possible. But imagine if there's just one of us who actually believed it was possible. God was, that's his promise to us. That's his promise to you. Imagine if you took that and told people, hey, this is what God told me. I'm not going to die until Jesus comes back. What do you think most people's response or reaction would be to you? I'm guessing people would be like, wow, you know, communion wine is only meant to be drunk, you know, on Sundays and just a little bit of it. So kick back on that. Most people would look at you as if you're nuts. If you literally told them, this is what God told you. For me, I get to see this actually a lot. I've never had someone tell me that this is the promise they've received from God, but I definitely have met many people and maybe you have as well. I've heard God tell me that this is a relationship I'm supposed to pursue. Or maybe this is a relationship that I'm supposed to get out of. Or I've heard people say to me, Michael, God's actually telling me to change my career path. I was doing this, but God clearly told me that it's time to do this. Or maybe it's just uproot and move. I've heard so many different stories of people starting their sentence of, this is what God has told me to say or told me to do. 
whether it's relationship, career, a geographical move. And I always just ask, just out of curiosity, what has been the response of the people that you're telling this to? And usually, not always, but usually the response is just very, well, they don't believe me. Well, why don't they believe you? Well, because it's, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for me to do this or go here or leave this situation or get out of this relationship, whatever it might be. And so because it doesn't make sense, therefore, it must not be true. I can only imagine for Simeon, there must have been some people who are like, Simeon, man, you're getting way up there in age. You need to let go of this idea that you're not going to die until you see the Savior. Well, as I consider Simeon and just the way he lived his life, I just wonder if for Simeon, is today the day? If he woke up in the morning and was just like, wow, I wonder if today's going to be the day. And the weeks went on and the months went on and maybe the years went on. I don't know if that was an attitude every single day, but I do know this one thing about Simeon is he did not forget the promise that was made to him. Because when God told him to move, his attitude was not one of, what? Why would I go to the temple? What's at the temple? He did not forget the promise that God had made to him. He didn't forget. And so in Luke uh, verse 27, of chapter 2, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Again, moved by the Spirit, meaning God spoke to Simeon and said, Simeon, today is the day. Get yourself to the temple courts. Today is the day, Simeon, that you are going to see this promise fulfilled. Today is going to be the day that you meet your Savior face to face. I've never heard God's voice audibly. Maybe you have. It's not been my experience. I've never, ever in my entire life of walking with God, ever heard God speak to me in a voice like you can hear me speaking to you. I don't rule that out. If God wants to do that, he certainly can. It's just not been my experience. But one of the amazing things is that being in relationship with God through Jesus is Jesus made clear that if you have a relationship with me, you're going to begin to understand, not only hear my voice, but you'll begin to understand my voice. So I can safely say, I can hear God speaking to me. Mostly, it's through God's word. I just God speaks to my spirit. He moves in my spirit, speaks to my heart and soul. Now, I know that maybe that sounds absolutely crazy to you, but one of the promises is having a relationship with God is that we'll know God's voice. Now, I've got my three kids here today, and I won't test them on this, but if I were to put them in a room with a hundred other men and me and say, guys, which one is your dad's voice? they would be able to pick out my voice over a group of 100 different voices. Why? Because they know me. They've been living with me now for seven years, six years, four years. They know my voice more than any other person's voice in terms of a father's voice. This is the beauty of having a relationship with God is that I begin to hear and understand what God is saying. And so Simeon hears God speak to him Today is the day and head to the temple courts. Now, I don't know if you would have questions, but I'm guessing for Simeon, he was flooded with questions of, very simply, 
how will I actually know who the Savior is? How am I going to know, are you going to like, is he going to be lit up? Is he going to have a halo on his head? How will I know who the Savior is? How about this? Well, what do I do when I see him? Am I just supposed to look at him from peeking around the corner? What do I do? Or, I think this may have been a legit question. The text doesn't say it, but the promise was, you won't die until you see it. So I'm guessing that Simeon might be thinking, wow, is this the day I'm going to die? The promise was, I would live until I see my Savior, but what happens after I see my Savior? So he has to be thinking, is this my last day as well? Well, I know one thing is for very certain. Simeon goes to the temple, and I don't think he enters into a guessing game of just like going up to people randomly. Are you the Savior? No, I didn't think you were. Let me try over here. Are you the Savior? No, I guess not. I believe very much God led him to go to the temple and leads him to a very young couple with an infant child named Jesus. And when Simeon sees this couple, and by the way, this is an unlikely couple. Mary's roughly 15, 16 years old. Joseph, not too much older. Simeon maybe had been thinking the Savior is going to be coming to a family that's a little older than Mary and Joseph. But as soon as he sees Mary and Joseph in Luke 2, I love his response. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light, of, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He does a few things here. As soon as he sees Jesus, he embraces him. Now, culturally, this was a little bit more acceptable in first century. In 21st century, when I first had uh, my oldest son, Tristan, if anyone tried to touch him, he, it wouldn't go well for that person. Because had you washed your hands? Well, yeah. How many times did you wash your hands? What kind of soap did you use? Was it like, you know, uh, the bacteria kind? Like, I wouldn't let anyone near my kid. So if I see this man coming near my kid wanting to grab him, I'm ready to grab him and throw him down. Simeon embraces this child, literally takes him in his arms, and he offers up a praise. Now, what I love about reveals about Simeon is he's not this bitter, jaded guy of like, finally, been waiting forever, what took you so long? He's overfilled with joy, and his prayer is he affirms the sovereignty of God. His prayer was, God, just like you said, this would happen just like you said. And then he says something phenomenal, I can now go in peace. God, I can leave now in peace. Why can he leave in peace? Because God fulfilled exactly what God said he would do. So I'm guessing because he's saying, I can now leave in peace, there was some turmoil in this man's life of, will God do what God said he was going to do? And he sees Jesus. He sees this Lord's Christ, God's salvation, and he says, now I can go in peace. And then I love this picture in his prayer. He says, my eyes, my eyes have physically seen your salvation. And what he says specifically about Jesus is it's not just a salvation for me. It's a salvation for everyone. Meaning this is not just my thing. This is for everyone, whether you're Jew or whether you're Gentile. Now, 
as I said before, there's so much that could be said about this story, but the one aspect of this story that I just wanted to hone in on is this idea of Simeon was a man who trusted God. And so the question that I started with is really the question I want to begin to finish with. Is it possible for me to be a man, for you, a man or a woman, who trusts God? Can you live a life, not just lip service, but can you orient your entire life around being able to trust God? As soon as Simeon saw this infant baby Jesus, about a month old, my eyes have seen the fulfillment of God's promise. And I love in later, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, that essentially Jesus is the divine yes, meaning in Jesus, all of God's promises are completely fulfilled. So when Simeon sees Jesus, he literally sees a fulfillment of all of God's promises in this infant child named Jesus. I know if I were to ask Simeon if he was here, can I trust God, Simeon? Simeon would say, Michael, absolutely. There is no other way to live your life but trusting God. If I were to ask you that question, and I'm genuinely seeking, trying to figure out, can I live a life? And I were to come to you, can I trust God? Would your response be to me, absolutely. This is how you can trust God. Or would your response be, I think so, I hope so, I don't know, maybe. Why don't you try it? Let me know how it turns out. One of the things I just want to finish with is that you can trust God. Now, I'm going to make a very big assumption, and my assumption is this, that every single person that's here today, the assumption is that you want to live a life where you're trusting God with all of you, all of the time, all of the place, all of the situations and circumstances, come what may, that you want to live a life of trusting God. Not that you're just willing to, not that you even want to, but that's where you're at. Now, I, I realize that's a very big assumption to make because I don't know every single person here. But the assumption would be all of us want to live lives of trusting God. And if you're here and you're like, don't put me in that boat because that's not where I'm at. My only question to you would be simply this, why? What is it about God that you deem unworthy of placing your trust in? What is it as you consider God's character, God's, God's presence, the story, the message, as you consider God, what is it about him that you say, you know what, nah, I just can't trust him. It's kind of a shady character. I'm not sure what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, how he's going to do it. Therefore, I can't trust him. God actually asked the people of Israel a great question in uh, Jeremiah chapter 2. It says this, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. It's a very simple question that God asked the people. What was it about me that you found fault in me that you decided to wander away from me? So if you're here today and you're in a place of, I can't trust God, I just want to ask the question, why? 
What is it about God that you have already declared, I just can't trust him? And if you're there, I would just implore you to reconsider that decision. I have a feeling that a lot of people that I've talked to over the years, when, they, when I ask them, why really can't you trust God with this or with that or this situation? Their answer is, well, God has done for me in the past what I wanted him to do. And so, well, you know what? God's not a genie in the bottle. And just because you rubbed him a few times and he didn't grant your three wishes does not mean that God is not worthy of your trust. And they look at me and they're usually slightly offended, but then they realize, well, I can either view God as who God has revealed himself to be, or I can view God as a genie in my bottle. And if I view him just as a genie in my bottle, then I'm ultimately God over my small g. And that leaves me very frustrated. The God in the Bible is, he's holy, he is good, he is loving, he's just, he's sovereign. What he says, he will do. There is no one who is more worthy than your trust than God himself. Now, for those of you who are like, yeah, I'm there. I want to trust God. I want to grow in my ability to trust God. I would ask you just to consider these two things. Look at Simeon's life. He walked in the ways of God while he waited on God. So in those waiting months, in those waiting years, this man was not growing bitter and jaded towards God. He actually pursued walking with God, walking in God's ways. It says pursuing righteousness. I know for me, one of the greatest threats to me trusting God is found in that waiting period. What becomes of me when I'm waiting? I've, I've heard God say this or tell me to do this or reveal something to me, but yet it hasn't happened yet. So what becomes of me in this space right here? While I wait, do I wander from God and just kind of do my own thing until God does his thing? Or do I consistently just walk with God in his ways, pursuing righteousness, meaning right living. Simeon grew in his trust of God as he walked with God in the ways of God. And then secondly, he listened and responded to the voice of God, meaning when it was time for him to go to the temple, he went to the temple. He didn't have this, this attitude of like, well, who's that speaking to me again? And what am I supposed to do? And why am I supposed to go to the temple again? He knew when God said go, he went. He knew where to go, and he knew exactly what he was looking for. Out of the overflow of listening for God's voice and responding to God's voice was a man who was growing in his ability to trust God. Now, obvious question is why? Just because he listened to and heard God and responded to God, why does that help him grow in trusting God? When I hear God speak to me and encourage me to do things, whatever it might be, or challenge me with things, to do things differently, and I actually hear and respond to what God is speaking to me through his word, then I respond, I see God at work. When I see God at work in my life and around my life, I, I grow in trusting God. Wow, I responded to God, and this is what God is doing. It's amazing to see God at work. I think for most of us, we just bail because I don't see God's, God at work. It's getting pretty dark in my life, so I'm done. It didn't, it didn't work. 
Corey Ten Boone had a great quote about this idea of being able to just, when you hear from God and God's challenged you or he's given a promise from Scripture, she said this, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. It's a great way of just saying, just because you can't see God at work doesn't mean that God's not at work. In those dark tunnels where I just don't know what God's doing, like Simeon, it's been years. I don't know what God's doing. I trust that God is doing what only God can be doing. And when it was time for him to step into the activity of God, he heard God's voice, responded to what God was was telling him, showed up at the temple, and he says, my eyes have now seen the salvation, my salvation. This morning as I uh, close, I can only encourage you uh, and encourage myself to say, you know what, let's live lives that are trusting God. I can try to compel you to make that decision to say, you know what, trust God with your life, with your decisions, with your actions, with your relationships, whatever it might be, trust God. But at the end of the day, that's up to you. You're the one who has to make the decision of this is who I am. I am a man or a woman who trusts God with everything. You have to make that decision. I can encourage you, don't let someone else make that decision for you. I've met a lot of people who said, well, I can't trust God because this person really hurt me. They really let me down. Or you know what? I used to be at this church and this church was just all messed up more ways than one. And because of this person or this situation or this church, this circumstances, I can't trust God. Don't let what someone else has done, don't let what someone else has said, don't let what some other church has said or not said or done or not done hinder you from trusting God with your life. I'm not trying to belittle anyone's hurt or pain or disappointment or frustration but I am challenging you not to let someone else dictate whether you will or will or will not trust God. I can say with confidence, I can trust God because I know he's good. I know he's holy, I know he's just, I know he's righteous, I know he's loving, I know he's faithful. But I can trust God because I know God is good. A favorite scripture of mine in the New Testament is Romans 8. It says this, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is good. And I'm just, that's not a throwaway statement. Oh, God is good. No, God is good. He's not like anyone or anything else. God is good. I can trust him. If you're there and you're saying, I sign me up, a lifestyle of trusting God is, begins with, is sustained by, and ends with embracing the fulfillment of God's promise in Jesus. I love the picture of Simeon literally picking up this child 
holding this child, embracing him, and praising God. My eyes have seen God's salvation. I will not be able to trust God if I can't trust God with my salvation. I love that Simeon didn't have the attitude as he was getting older and growing in righteousness of, I don't need salvation. I'm Simeon. Like, what do I need saving from? No, my eyes have seen God's salvation. He embraced God's salvation for himself. He trusted Jesus for salvation. One of my favorite uh, Christmas stories is the story of Simeon because it's simply a story of a man who received a promise from God that one day he would see the Savior before he died. God fulfilled his promise. It's a story of a man who oriented his entire life around trusting God. And when he sees the fulfillment of God's promise, Simeon praises God in joy and says, my eyes have seen God's salvation, the Lord's Christ, the Lord's anointed. This morning, as we would just continue in worship, I want you to do more than just reflect. I really want you to be in a place of responding to what God has been saying to you. And so if you're already being convicted in a way of, wow, you know, I'm not trusting God. I'm not surrendering my life to trusting God. It starts with receiving the promise of God in Jesus. If you haven't done that, do that today. Jesus came. We celebrated yesterday his birth to live a very perfect life, to die on a, a cross to pay penalty for my sin, for your sin, that those who would have faith in Jesus Christ would have salvation. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. He's the divine yes, as Paul said. Spend some time in prayer, not just reflecting, but responding to what God has been saying to you. And as you're ready, come celebrate communion today. If you're a Christian, take a piece of the bread and dip it in the wine or juice. Give thanks to God that in God, in Jesus, he is the fulfillment of all of God's promises for you.